bronze medal in the 1500 was crazy and to have the opportunity to you know stand with Katie squared so Katie Grimes and Katie Ledecky was so cool um and I think more than anything like meeting them as people and understanding them as people outside of the pool and outside of the sport is also so special and then I caught COVID so I missed my 800 final which was so disappointing because I went through the 1500 in like 820 feet on wall and I think 819 was third so like I sat and watched that final from my hotel room and I was like I'm so capable of swimming times like that that are at an international standard but I guess it was just like another opportunity that was kind of taken away from me that wasn't necessarily my fault but in some ways it also was because I'm just a very social person and I think that's how I caught COVID. Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. He's Luke Paddington. She's Lonnie Pallister. So thank you so much for joining us. Coming fresh off a lift. You look pretty yoked. What's going on in the gym right now? What were you just doing? Um, we had a couple key lifts this morning, but thanks for having me. So I did bench press, bench pull, chin-ups, belt squats, and then we did like testing measurements just to kind of have like an indication of, I guess, guess like strength at this point in the season. So like jump squat, um, velocity chins, and then internal external rotation. So yeah, a couple different things, but we haven't really been doing a whole lot of work at the moment. Like our year at the moment is pretty slow just because we don't have anything super important until trials in June. So our squad's had a really slow start back comparatively to like a lot of other squads in Australia. And I think this week will actually be like our first full week of load. Yeah. Um, well, obviously you're getting back into training, right? Um, uh, after a few weeks, but you were the darling of the short course <laughs> champs, uh, especially at a home games, which, um, you know, I think you had such a dominating performance in all the distance events. And then the, the world record in the four by two, was super cool. After, after all of that happened, what, you know, what, what do the subsequent weeks look like? It looks like you maybe took a little vacay, but you know, what's, um, what's kind of like the way that you treat yourself after you have uh, a really great performance, you know, coming out of the sport of swimming where we just have so much build going into a big mm-hmm. event. It's, it's not so much like competition after competition, you're into the season. What does the end of the season look like for Lonnie? Um, well, at the end of the season last year, I ended up going over to Bali for Christmas. So I went and had a tropical Christmas vacay, which was really nice to kind of just like sit and do nothing. Um, and when I go on holidays normally, I'm like, let's do this at this time, this, we'll do lunch, whatever. And because like it wasn't my family and I wasn't the one organizing it, I kind of just had to like do what I was told in a way. So if my best friend wanted to sit down and lay at the pool for four hours, we just sat at the pool for four hours and did nice. nothing. So it gave me a lot of time to kind of reflect on last year and as much as like in terms of like medals and whatnot short course was incredible I wasn't 100% happy with the times and that sort of thing that I swam the 200 was probably like the best of it four by two relay was probably I guess like the happiest I was in terms of times but um yeah I think just coming off last year I'm really happy with I guess the way that I bounced back from 2021 and that whole I don't even know what to call it shit this awful (laughs) But yeah, um, yeah, so it's been nice to kind of like start back into it slowly. It's almost like I'm still on a holiday in a way. Um, I did my first main set back since like the start of December last Thursday night and it absolutely killed me. And as much as I think at the start of the set, I wasn't like ready to do it. I think by the end of it, it made me miss like the feeling of doing hard work and that sort of thing. So it was a nice kind of step back in the door, um, back into the hard work in this preparation. So after only winning four world championships and a world record and realizing that you need to do better, <laughs> what, is, is, this, <laughs> is this part of what you decided you guys needed to do? What is it that you wanted to work on leading up into trials? Um, I think for myself, I, when I'm at training, like I constantly do extra efforts and sometimes it's a good thing. And I've spoken to Great Hackett about it a couple of times and yeah. He's also told me that you need to kind of limit how often you're doing it because if a coach is giving you like a main set, they're giving you that specific set for a reason. And like we did a set before, I think it was like four weeks out of short course and I had 12 100s long course on 130 um, and it was meant to be one sort of like aerobic and the one at 400 pace. And my goal 400 pace long course is one double O. 
and the easy one was meant to be like maybe plus four or plus five on that but because like in my head if I do like above and beyond what I'm expected to then like it's going to make me get better quicker which is true but also in the same way like you have to learn Mm -hmm. to recover so I was pushing like 102s on my easy one and then pushing 57s on my like 400 pace which is three seconds under um right and then the Saturday morning like three days later we did I was only meant to have 25 100s best average short course um and then a 500 time trial and the first 25 I was diving maybe like 57s and then pushing 58s on 120 yeah. short course meters not yeah I okay. feel like I was so. have to justify that because like American conversion so yeah so 58s short course meters on 120 and then my 500 time trial I went like 510 um and then one of the other boys had 50 100s and I was like oh well if he's alone like I'll get in and do the extra work with him so I got in and did the extra like I think he had an extra 15 at that point and I put myself in the biggest hole I've ever been in in my entire life like the next week I struggled to push 109s just because of like the extra work that I decided would be a good idea um and I guess that's a lesson for me like moving forward now is that I don't have to continuously go above and beyond like what I'm expected to do if I'm doing the set the way that it's written out then sometimes you just have to take it for what it is and not I guess feel like you need to do extra just because you're not like as tired at the end of the set in a way yeah but there's a there's a tough balance there right because you know the 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 best athlete is the one who's able to turn up to training the next day ready to you know tackle whatever is is on the plan but at the same time you know you measure yourself by how much effort that you're you're giving and the way that you feel at the end of efforts and the the end of a training session right so like i could see how you could feel like oh i'm leaving something out there when i'm sacrificing you know like this is my life i'm dedicating everything to you know, mastery in this thing. And I'm going after this goal. And um, so the the two at at times seem like they can be a bit of conflict. Yeah, it is hard. And like, I think as I've gotten older, I'm more willing to do extra anyway. But I think it's looking at how your body's reacting to like the load from the start of the week. And rather than doing like extra every session, I guess, picking and choosing when you are on, like if you can do something extra, there was another set we did and (laughs) We were meant to just do four fifties dive max. Um, and Brendan Smith said to me, he's like, Oh, he's like, you won't do it, it's just a two hundred straight. And I was like, Well, like I will. And I got up and I think I dived like a one fifty eight at the end of the set, long course meters. And then I ended up doing the extra four fifties with everyone anyway. So I think the difference is more just I guess understanding when is like the right time and the wrong time to do those sort of things because I am so willing to do anything and everything to be like the best athlete I could possibly be and I think that for me is one of the best things about um, me as an athlete is like I will do anything to be like the best that I could possibly be in the pool and um, sometimes it's probably not I guess the right way to go about it but it's a yeah definitely a fine line. But that's where you're coach and teammates you have a partnership and relationship like whoa 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 no more 57s Lonnie let's get back to one one <laughs> more of those. I know you're feeling good but that's yeah like what was going on particularly in that set those those 100s you know the one easy one one fast what's going on there what's the feedback you got so Bowley was away in America um and <laughs> yeah Bowley was actually <laughs> this is what you do over. <laughs> there we go <laughs> um and my mom, so Janelle, um, yeah. originally Elford, she went to the Olympics in 88. So she has an understanding of like distance swimming and all that sort of thing as well. And has coached me my whole life. And it's kind of also known that like, if I want to go faster, I will. Um, okay. So she was happy with the way that I was swimming it because it didn't, for me, like the 57s weren't hard either. Like it was a comfortable 57, like repeat. Yeah. And like I push if I started at 57 and ended at 57 then like obviously it wasn't like I was maxing it from the start of the session um so that whole week was probably like the best week of training of my entire life and I think it was more the Saturday morning that killed me when I went and did an extra like k and a half than I should have so after that Saturday morning she told me that like I shouldn't continually feel like the need to do extra and it's not that I feel I don't know sometimes I feel guilty and like I'm not doing enough. And I feel like that definitely comes into a lot of um, athletes minds is like, there's something you can always do extra, but it ends up being detrimental in like a couple cases. But um, Bowley didn't believe the times that I was swimming. And then he got back 
and obviously I was in like the biggest hole of my life and then he was like are you sure are you sure you saw those times and I was like I swear I did but yeah it's interesting you mentioned what Hackett said because we had Daniel Kowalski on recently and he was talking about the greatest set he ever saw was him swimming up Grant Hackett and together yeah. they were going 150s and, and Grant was just churning and getting faster and faster in his 150s, 123s, 122s, 121s, going way beyond what anybody's ever seen and, t- and pushing it past that boundary, unexpected to what the coach was even expecting, I mean, I'm guessing at the time, you know, Dennis. Yeah. So um, it's interesting, maybe he maybe he learned from that lesson, maybe he benefited in the long term, the advice he gave mm-hmm. you. Do, do you get that feedback from some of the of the seniors or even in your group? You know? Um. I think I definitely reach out to like a lot of like past swimmers for their experience, yeah. especially like Grant. I speak to Arnie around Titmus a little bit. And I think when you're really young, you think you bounce back like a lot quicker than you actually can physiologically. Um, mm. And like my whole life growing up, like I would race every weekend and then go and train throughout the whole week. And I'm still kind of in that mindset a little bit. Like the past three weekends in a row, I've traveled either in a state or two and a half hours away from like where I live on the Gold Coast to go and compete at like surf life-saving events, which for people that live on the West Coast of America, they all understand like what surf life-saving is, but it's also not as big in America as it is in Australia. So I'm still doing that sort of thing at the moment just because like I'm not in like a super heavy training block, but I also know that when the time comes, I kind of have to use weekends like as a way to recover and not, I guess, constantly go and do extras outside of the pool as well with that sort of thing. But um, I think Grant has put a lot of things into perspective for me um, with how he used to train and his philosophy on training and advice. And even speaking to like Sam Short, who swims at 1500 and he lives up in Brizzy, him and I will compare different sets and whatnot that we're doing and just in regard to like times and pacing and like, I guess, overall K's. And I think everyone needs something different, but being able to take something from the people that have come before you is also super important to understand as a swimmer. Can you explain to someone, to two people who've lived on the West Coast of the US for many years, what <laughs> is life-saving? What is competitive life-saving? Um, so I, in my eyes, competitive life-saving is more similar to open water so except it's a run start so if you're just doing like an individual swim you start like on the beach and you run into the water and it's like 400 meter swim so you swim out to like one can swim across and swim back in they have a ski race which is similar to kayaking um but it's obviously out in the ocean and a different type of boat so you sit in it and then obviously just paddle like a kayak and there's like three set of cans that you paddle around and then the lifeguard boards that you see like in Baywatch where they're like running into the water with their little board um, is another event, which is just called a board race. And you go around like another set of cans. And the last event is like an iron person, which combines all three. So it's like doing a 200 medley where you do like one leg of each stroke. So you end up doing a swim, run transition, a board race, run transition, and then an iron like back to back. And it doesn't come down to like time accumulation or anything because you can't really I guess, measure how fast you're going in the surf. So it's the first person to cross the line. So I'll go into a surf race sometimes and pool swimming standards are very, like a vastly different to surf life-saving standards. And some swim races I'll win by like 40 seconds. And then there'll be others that I have a sprint finish because of waves and conditions and that sort of thing. So I guess it's more just fun with like those variables in it. And it's not always like the best on the day. It's the best on the day will win, not the best person in the sport will always win. So I think it's more just interesting looking at I guess that sort of sport where it's not going to be the exact same person wins the exact same event because their best time's better. Do they promote the sport by doing slow motion runs of all of the people competing and running on the beach in red? I don't think (laughs) we're not in red. So every different, it's like different clubs have different caps and that sort of thing. So we have to wear like a little tie up cap. Um, And my surf club is black and gold. So we wear just like plain black togs. Other surf clubs wear like red or like maroon or different colors. I don't think they use slow-mo very often. A lot of the time it's people trying to catch a wave like on a ski and slewing and just like absolutely stacking it. Um, But yeah, it's just very different. Like, and if you haven't grown up around it, it's a hard concept to understand. But it's also just so much fun and so different to, I guess, any other sport. They do have, it's a popular uh, kids activity actually on the beach in, in California. Um, yeah. Uh, they, 
I'm familiar with it being called junior guards. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think it's somewhat of a similar style of the disciplines that you mentioned. I don't know as much yeah. about like the, the competition nature of it, but uh, it makes a lot of sense. Why? Brian, it's not, it's not as easy as she's making it sound. I've seen it. <laughs> it's, so first of all, you have these, a bunch of guys I've seen in their tog speedos. And the first thing they do is they pull it up and create a wedgie in their butt. No, right? no, no, no. That's, that's boats. So like oh, that's the boats? People. You guys don't do the boats as well? Okay, I'm like, what are you doing? And no, 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 not the boats, okay. sorry. Okay, no. so no, no wedgies, good. <laughs> no. no wedgies, the boys don't have wedgies. <laughs> okay, but then you jump on these surfboards on your knees yeah. and you're paddling like crazy yeah. to get past waves. And you're talking Bondi in the summer, Manly <laughs> in the summer. That is, yeah. I, I've surfed those beaches, insane, mm. you know, yeah. navigating sharks and fish and all that stuff. <laughs> We went down to Manly last weekend um, and the Friday afternoon under the iron and like I don't sit on a skate ever. There's just like no, for swimming, like there's no benefit to it because it completely changes your swimming stroke. Um, yeah. And it's also probably like not great for your shoulders when you don't do it that often. So anyway, I thought it was a great idea to go down and do this iron down in Manly. And I was so dead by the end of it. And I was like, you know what, one's enough. Like I don't need to do another one. And we woke up the next morning to go and race at the exact same beach. And we were literally like on the line and then they sounded the shark alarm. Yep. And we were like, oh, this is not yeah. oh, great. Another... So, and it's very yeah, casual. Shark. I was and... just like, oh, it's just a shark. Don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> so, so we went to go in the water because it was, there'd been a dolphin attack at the beach over and there were three bull sharks just circling. And I think they were like two and a half meters, three meters. So like kind of a little bit sketchy. Um, and then there were jet skis that was like trying to take them back out to see. They pulled the dolphin like up the beach and they had to euthanize it, which is so sad. Um, and then there were like four more bull sharks that came in. So there was like seven in the area and they were like, all you guys are not <laughs> going in the water. So it's kind of unpredictable in that sort of sense that they're kind of just everywhere. And unless they're spotted, like you could be swimming with the shark in the vicinity. But that was the first time I, like a surf carnival for me had ever been canceled because of sharks. Tell your story, Brian. T tell your story. Yeah, well, so a, <laughs> a, a good friend of mine and, and ours, friend of the pod, um, Catherine Breed, she's a accomplished channel swimmer. And so she swum, you know, 27 miles uh, from San Francisco down to Half Moon Bay and several other really big uh, swims, former college swimmer and Team USA member in the pool. And uh, I was out training with her one morning in Santa Cruz, and uh, it's very difficult for me to keep up with her pure sprinter against a distant swimmer. But um, we were doing a training session and I was freezing. I, and so, you know, no wetsuit in the, in the Pacific, so cold. And I, I came in just a bit early and I was walking up the beach and she still had about a thousand meters to swim. And I turn around and I see her and a friend who was paddling with us, who was still with her. They were just coming into shore and they said that actually uh, the paddler had just looked out to his left and saw a fin and, you know, in that area, they're all, they're all uh, white sharks. And so uh, he, he just got her attention as quickly as he could and said, you know, shark right there, shark. <laughs> And they were probably uh, 150 meters out into the water at that point. And she goes, what do I do? And he said, swim in. <laughs> and so oh they just bolted straight to shore. And fortunately, um, you know, no issues. And then later that day, of course, we check social media and there's like the local, you know, authority who posts anything and they've got the aerial shot of that shark who had been spotted in the area already. We just hadn't seen it before we went out to swim. And uh, of course, Got uh, pretty lucky that day, but that's crazy. I've been diving with sharks like at an aquarium, uh -huh. but it's not definitely not the same as like going out in the ocean and then kind of just like popping up out of nowhere. Um, yeah, but I remember being like young once again and we were out board training, so like on our knees paddling and whatever, and we we're out past the shark nets. So Australia's like most of the coastline and most like really popular beaches have like shark nets. Um, yeah. So we were paddling out past and like doing a longer paddle and these two fins popped up and my friend saw them and she was like, what was that? I was like, don't be stupid. Like it was nothing. And we kept paddling out and there was like two fins that popped up again, like maybe a meter from our boards. Yeah. And we were so far out to sea and we both turned around real quick, but I didn't want to put my arms back in the water and she pushed me outwards. So she would start drifting inwards. And the two of us were drifting apart and I was like, 
I want to put my hands in and puddle in so I'm not alone. But like, what if something like pops up and tries to bite me? I think there were just two dolphins and like, we didn't see them again, but still so stressful when you're like at the back of a group alone that far out at sea and you're like, um, this is it. This is how I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens totally. regularly. I was at Lennox Heads. Lennox Head is, show- is this south of Byron Bay and things yeah. come up next to you on the lineup and all the locals are like, don't worry, it is dolphins. We get whales. I don't want to see a whale <laughs> pop up next to me. <laughs> But whales come next. Oh, whales! Yeah. Hey, so um, I remember that I got into playing golf uh, for a period of time because I I felt like I mean I just like grew up playing golf, but there was a period of time during swim training where I actually learned that um, working on my golf swing helped me feel like I was able to have a good rhythm in my freestyle at the same time because of the the hip and hand connection. Okay. Um, but you mentioned that some of the lifeguard or sorry, life saving um, competition stuff isn't necessarily uh, good for your swimming. And sometimes it teaches bad habits. So what um, what what are some of the things that you have to look out for uh, when like kind of getting back into the pool? And is there anything outside of the pool that you do athletically that kind of helps you align what you're doing there? I think the biggest thing. With like stuff like saying you're swimming is when you're ski paddling, you end up like dropping your elbows and pulling them backwards. So yeah. when you like go into the swim stroke, it's like polar opposite of what you should be doing. But sitting and paddling on a board and if you're on your knees, like double arm stroke pretty much simulates butterfly. Um, and then even if you're just paddling on your stomach, it's like identical to freestyle. So those sort of things like don't change it too much. And then if I look at the swim, my strokes like completely change when I go from pool swimming to like ocean swimming because of, I guess the chop, not having a lane line, having to spot the can early. So you're constantly looking upwards, which you never do in the pool. I do sometimes in the 1500 when I've forgotten how many laps it is. Um, But I think that's just like a very conscious effort when I go back into the pool to focus on technique and length and obviously like rotation back down and not looking up if there's no need to look up. Um, and then catch and that sort of thing. So I'm lucky that I've grown up doing growth sports my whole life. So I've done swimming since I was three months old when my parents threw me in our backyard pool and taught me to swim. And then I've been in the surf and racing in the ocean since I was about five or six. So for me, it's a pretty natural change and I've gotten so used to going between the two of them. But like our squad went and did a beach session um, maybe last week or the week before and watching some of them, I guess, just go out in the ocean and, like, do something that's so foreign to them, which comes so easily to me because I've done it for so long. It's also really funny. But I think it's just making the conscious effort, um, like, around your stroke, especially going from, like, real choppy water into flat water again. Do you have more fun in one over the other or pretty equal some kinds of fun? Um, I think there are different types of fun. Um, I think surf life-saving is more... I get frustrated more in surf because sometimes I'll be maybe like 30 meters ahead in a swim and someone will catch a wave over the top of me and then it'll be a run up the beach. So I guess the variables in surf lifesaving that are unpredictable make it a lot of fun. Um, And then swimming in the competition and I guess the nerves that I get for swimming because of how much I care about it and I guess knowing that the work that I've put in the pool and the times that I'm going to get is the outcome is more exciting than it is, um, I guess, fun. I think I definitely enjoy pool swimming a lot more. If uh-huh. I wanted to do surf lifesaving professionally, like I probably wouldn't be a pool swimmer at all. So for me, like surf lifesaving is a hobby and it's something that I go and do when I have time to go and, I guess, spend time with different people and just do something that completely takes my mind off the pool. Um, swimming is definitely a more high stress environment and it's definitely yeah. a lot harder, I guess, to get the same results and to constantly be able to go and travel internationally and make um, Australian senior teams and that sort of thing. Like the depth in Australian women's freestyle at the moment is just criminal. Like it's actually insane. And it goes the whole way from the 50 up to the 1500. And so even making an Australian senior team is actually like just, yeah, it's not, (laughs) I don't know how to explain it. It took me four years of missing the team by one spot to finally make it. So I missed 2018 Commonwealth Games, 2018 Pampax by one, missed 2019 World Champs by one. Everyone missed 2020 because um, of COVID. And then 2021, I missed the Olympic team by one spot again. So 
that's where I can go into the surf and there are a lot more regular competitions that it doesn't end up going international very often because not as many European countries have the opportunity to race in the ocean like you do in Australia or like along the west coast of America um so I guess like the feeling that I get from being successful in the pool is a lot more I guess sentimental to me and ends up being a lot more fun than it is when I go and race in the surf Mm. that was a lot of rambling I'm really sorry (laughs) no it was really good really really good Hey, how much money does a professional lifesaver, surf lifesaver make? I'm not sure. So surf lifesaving isn't, it's not like swimming where like everyone's categorized. It's kind of everyone's just on the same level. And like Swimming Australia's got different categories and different tiers in terms of like funding and athlete support and different benefits you get at being at a certain level um, internationally. But Surf lifesaving is more like if you win a certain event, you can make, I don't know, I think on the weekend, the girl that won the iron, which is like all of the legs all together, um, made maybe like five grand on winning one race. But if the overall series winner wins like that, I think it's like 50 plus. So I'm not actually 100% sure how all the prize money works because I don't I don't really focus on it. Um, I don't really do sport to chase money at the moment um i'm doing sport just because like i'm such a competitive person and i take that home and i'm always so high energy that i sports an outlet for me where i'm able to just like expend energy so i'm I'm actually able to sleep at night um but it's definitely not a professional sport in comparison to like swimming or tennis or i guess other things like that it's definitely not as internationally like regulated as other high profile sports right I was going to ask you about world shorts because you said, you know, you so very much enjoy winning and the, and the medals and competition there. Um, and you finally got your chance, right? After, what is it, four years of third places. Um, yeah. But yet, yet you felt, did you feel like there's so much more that you wanted to get? That, that I mean, even though, as I said, you did well, but there's so much more you still wanted to get and do. And your, 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 did that make you hung, hungrier even? Yeah, for sure. That? And I think like, even if I look at world long course before I look at world short course, yeah. Yeah. Um, like that was my first senior international team ever. Yeah. And Bronze I was fourth, fourth in the 400 by like yeah. 0.1, which yeah. I was so happy for Leah after the year that she had in 2021 as well. But also at the same time, I was like, as if my first event, I had to be fourth. Um, and then yeah. bronze medal in the 1500 was, crazy and to have the opportunity to you know stand with katie squared so katie grimes and katie ledecky was so cool um and i think more than anything like meeting them as people and understanding them as people outside of the pool and outside of the sport is also so special and then i caught covid so i missed my 800 final which was so disappointing because i went through the 1500 and like 820 feet on wall and i think 819 was third so like i sat and watched that final from my hotel room and i was like i'm so capable of swimming times like that that are at an international standard but i guess it was just like another opportunity that was kind of taken away from me that wasn't necessarily my fault but in some ways it also was because i'm just a very social person and i think that's how i caught COVID. <laughs> um and then when i went like raced at com games the times that i saw at com games weren't anywhere near what I wanted to swim just because when I caught COVID and Swimming Australia told Fina I had to isolate for nine days so I had no swimming no gym no spin bike like I literally just stayed in bed for nine days Um, and everyone else in the Commonwealth that got COVID a lot of them were able to leave Budapest before like any sort of symptoms or anything came on so they were still able to swim through and train through um, where I was shafted but that's okay so there's been like a lot of experiences I guess last year that although I got to go and travel internationally and race internationally for the first time ever, I was still like a massive learning experience. And then going down to world short course, I know you can only race, I guess like who's there. And I think it's still hard for me to kind of process in my head that even though I won four gold medals, I was like, well, would the outcome still be the same if like Summer McIntosh was there and Katie Ledecky and Ariane Titmus and if Lee hadn't have caught COVID. So I think that's one thing that, I just want to be able to race the best in the sport mm-hmm. constantly because I don't want to have to question whether or not it's good enough in a way. And mm-hmm. I know in 20 years time, no one's going to be like, Oh, like who was there? 
Um, and it will always be something that's going to be attached to my name now. But I think that's also just like a maturity thing is realizing that you can only race the people that are there on the day. And if that they've chosen not to, then like it's an opportunity to take something like that. Do you yes. think those 800 long course world championship medalists think, well, I wonder if, well, what if Lani hadn't got COVID, would I have got this medal? So reverse it. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Yeah, man, you would have <laughs> licked them up. <laughs> I, yeah. And you know I think I mean? a lot of people have said that to me, but in the same way, like, I'm 100% positive. Like, because I saw how Katie swam and Summer swam at the World uh, World Cup events just before World Championships. And I was like, well, if they had a race, like, it would be a different yeah, outcome. Yeah, yeah. But do you think after the not just the the previous year that you had, but, you know, a, a period of, of several years. Do you think that it, it could have been better for you personally and mentally to just rate gold medals, get a bunch of publicity? <laughs> I mean, like, you had so much media attention, um, you know, throughout the games, deservedly so. And, you know, I wonder if if you swam the exact same times and had a different medal, or, you, I mean, I, I assume you still would have won medal, mm-hmm. right? But, like, do you think that was better for you in long term and your kind of mentality and your confidence going forward to have just been able to have your moment, you know, and screw off? Like, it doesn't matter who was there, right? Versus yeah. if you had swum the same times and maybe, like, yeah, Summer swam faster and she came there and, and, and won a medal. Or if you didn't win the same color medals, would that do the same thing for what you needed to get out of kind of that step moving forward? I definitely think the week was really special. You know, I pulled Dawn Fraser up onto the podium with me and almost killed her in the process. I thought she was going <laughs> to I thought she was gonna right. die. <laughs> oh, she looked fine. That's good. She stumbled and I was like, this is it. I was like, I'm going to break <laughs> Dawn Fraser's hip. Like, media's not going to ever let me live this down. Um, so I think everything that I got to do that week and really just, I guess, race with the confidence knowing how I'd been training and that sort of thing and knowing, especially the 1500, like I went into that going at 804 and I think second seed was maybe like 1540 something and I'd swum 1524 maybe like a month or two months prior. So in some events I was almost like in my head more just wanting to go out and race the race rather than even thinking about medals or thinking about winning because I was already confident going into it. And I think that more than anything has probably been the best thing for me coming out of that week is knowing that I can go into this year and really just like use that race experience. And if there's no one there, then there's no one like in the same, you know, like right next to you when you're racing. And if it's someone else that's like right next to you, then I guess being able to draw from those experiences down at short course will be yeah it's a good stepping stone moving forward I definitely don't think that I'm at the peak of my career by any means I had such a short prep last year for all three of those international meets and being able to use them as I guess a base for aerobic work and the speed work and just like the experience of traveling and getting used to I guess like different time zones and that sort of thing will be imperative for this year I want to talk about what's going on now then in in training Uh, when I swam I trained for events that were maybe two minutes difference in time between the fifth day and the, and the 200, you know what I mean? Of a minute. You train for events that are, what is it? 13 minutes difference in time, seven times length. How, <laughs> what's, what's the training you're doing now? How do you train for a decent 200 in the relay? Which, mm-hmm. because Australia needs you, you need it. But then jumping into the 1500, what, what's, what's Bowley's approach? What's your approach to get that done? I think, I, a lot of the work that I do ends up being 400, 800, and I'm able to come down to the 200 and extend up to the 1500. Um, so for a distance swimmer, like I don't do a lot of kilometers by any means. Like I think my biggest week would maybe be 60 kilometers, which is like uh-huh. not, not a lot at all. Um, I think most weeks I'll do like nine, six K sessions, which is I think 54 kilometers. And then some of them will be seven and some of them will be five. So it kind of all evens out. Um, but when I have the opportunity to like go fast, a lot of my times end up, if I start at a 26 on 50s max dive, like I'll end at a 26. So I think that having the distance background makes the 200 better because I'm able to stay at like a speed, a decent speed longer. It might not be as fast as I guess Ariane or Emma McKinnon or that sort of thing. But I guess it comes back down and evens out a little bit when 
I can stay at the same speed for like an extended period of time. Um, so last Thursday we did, well, not we, my squad had the afternoon off and I went and trained with the junior squad that's um, affiliated with Griffith. And we had 1250s max and it was like three on three on three minutes, three on 230, three on two minutes, three on 130. And at the start of the set, I was like, this isn't even that bad. Like, I didn't think the cycle change was going to make any of it that bad by any means. And I went four 26s and then a 27 and then 26s until number nine or 10. And then it was like 27 to 27 two, and then just died on the last one because he changed the cycle to a minute and I went like 28 five. So yeah, yeah, yeah. blew up, which is so fine. Like expected in a set like that when the cycles drop. Um, so I just, anything that I'm given, like I'll attack a hundred percent. And then if I'm doing hundreds, I'll normally start at 1500 pace and descend down to 400 pace. So all of it ends up evening out by the end of the week. Um, but I just think everything I do ends up being at a higher intensity than what it's, I guess, meant to be. So if I'm doing 400s at our oh, 50s at 400 pace, I'll be 29. So that when you like account for the feet on wall, it'll be 30 points. Um, but yeah, I think Bowley and Janelle have a fairly good grasp on how to get the best out of me as, as an athlete. And it's not by flogging me with heaps and heaps and heaps of aerobic Ks just up and down because the more Ks I do, I feel like it kills my speed a little bit. So it's more quality over quantity um, with the sort of training that I do. Hey, I'm all about that. Sprinters, you know. Oh, I, oh, I love that. Right. Hey. <laughs> Brian, do you remember when you were filming um, Kitty at the World Cup, the, the day she broke the 800 world record, and you saw her just to 29, 450s holding 298s, 298s, and she just nailed the 298s to feet, mm. to feet yeah. and then that was a split for the world record. Are there times when, when, the, when you can have those measures and you know, and it's pretty predictable, you and Bully or your, your mom? Yeah, I definitely look at them because obviously Katie's a standard, and even Ariane, um, for like the 400 long course and those sort of things. So for me, I look at sort of, I guess, how they race and how they put together their race and try and average out for a similar, I guess, like pace by the end of the set. Um, I I think when I race them always, I go out a lot harder than expected. I think I was first to the first 50 of the 400 at World Champs. And I'm going to claim that forever. But my time drop ends up dropping like a substan <laughs> substantial amount. Like I went... I think I was like 57 and then I would drop back to like a 101. So for me, learning to go out faster really young was so important for me. And now that I've gotten older, it's more about just backing up the next 100. Yeah. So there's not as big as like a time um, difference. And I think that's something that Katie and Summer and Ariane do really well is that they're actually able to stay at that pace. And it's just the work that they've done and the work that they had under their belt that's allowing them to do that. So, Yeah. I wanted to ask you about your training squad because it's a pretty star-studded group. I mean, mm. the number of Olympic medals in that group, I'd probably put it up with just about any group. I mean, we talked about Grant House uh, earlier in, um, <laughs> in, in the discussion with him and Leon um, Marshall. They were talking about how many Olympic medals are in their are, are in their pro group, and yours has quite a few between mm. Emma and Kaylee and um, you know and Brendan and uh, so and Clyde. So what? do you get from all of those people? Everyone brings their kind of skill set and their strengths. What are some of the things that you've learned from all of those people in the way that they train, the way that they prepare their mentality? Um, what's that been like? Yeah, so I think the two programs in Australia that have like the most national team representatives are obviously like our squad and uh, Dean's program in Brisbane with Ariane and Elijah Winnington. So we have 12 out of 18 that are on the senior team. Um, and I think the best thing is like, we have such an array of people that swim different events. So if I'm doing a 200 pace set, I'll end up swimming fifties next to Joshua Edward Smith, who swims the 200 backstroke and Bowen Goff, who swim a 200 fly. And I think both of their PBs now beat me, which is the biggest stitch up ever. I think they're both 155s now and I'm a 56 too. So it's always kind of like a funny joke between the three of us. And then if I'm going into distance work, then I'll be with Matt Horton and we'll be chasing him up and down the pool. Or if I'm doing speed stuff, Kaylee, even though she swims backstroke is insane. Like she will get up and do a hundred backs with me. And I'm like, can you not? <laughs> <'Cause it ends laughs> up being embarrassing. 
because she's just so good. And I think that's the best thing is that everyone is so willing to do absolutely anything and everything to be the best athlete. And I think that's why the squad is doing so well is because all of us have the exact same mentality when it comes to training. And you have Emma, who's Australia's most decorated Olympian ever. And she's so meticulous and spot on with absolutely everything she does. And we'll get up and do a dive, like just a dive 15. And she'll beat me by like a second off the start. I'm like, I don't even know how this happens. But I think it's been something that's been super important for me is being able to, I guess, compare myself to them and the way that they're training and use what they do better than me and look at that and be like, well, this is what I can improve on and look at if I'm better than them on like different sets or different skills and that sort of thing and not being, I guess, complacent with it and still working on it, but trying to turn, I guess, weaknesses into strengths as well. Um, So my kick is God awful. And you can even tell that by the way that I swim because I drag my legs the whole way and the kick is literally just like up and then sideways. So it does nothing for me. It's almost like Greg Paltineri's kick. Um, So if they ask me to go in front of them for a kick set, I'm absolutely not. But then I'll go and do pull sets and I'll be up pulling with like all of the boys. So I think everyone has figured out what each person is good at. And we have, I'm very like, if I'm in lane seven, I only like certain people in the lane with me because we all kind of like lead different parts of the set. And I'm very OCD with training that if someone else gets in my lane that like isn't normally in there, it kind of like puts me off. <laughs> not that I don't like any, not that I don't like them, but I just am very like, I like it this way. Um, What's the password to get in lane seven? What's the password? <laughs> um, you don't have to go for kick or medley and that'll, that'll do you. Um, but yeah, I think it's more just everyone is such a like-minded person and everyone is so encouraging and there isn't a bad word said about anyone. And if I'm doing the wrong thing, Kaylee will hold me accountable. Or if I'm not going fast enough, Bowley will say something and the whole squad will get behind each other and kind of encourage each other to keep swimming faster and be better. And I guess it's more rather than just individual excess, we want our program to be the best program that there is in the country and borderline the world. And I think there's really only three programs, maybe four that have, I guess, a similar number of, athletes that are on senior teams and I feel like it's Dean's squad in Brisbane our squad the Arizona program um with Bob Bauman obviously and the Florida program Texas men as well so there's like a couple that really stand out and I think they'd all have similar characteristics in how everyone supports each other and the mentality that goes into the way that everyone trains that's a world, very worldly view you have on the landscape of oh, swimming. You just, <laughs> you're very aware. Hey, can I ask you about the about Dawn? Um, maybe a different question somebody's asked you before. Is it true that she got a 10-year ban from Swimming Australia? And she Has she ever given you any uh, advice on how not to have that happen to you? I don't remember ever hearing about this. Um, that's so interesting. I might have to ask her about that because someone asked me a couple of weeks ago, like how Dawn and my mum are even close. And I was like, mm, I don't know. It's just they are. Um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. What did well, she I'll do? ask her about it. I'm not sure either, <laughs> but hey, I don't, don't believe everything you read online. Yeah. I, look, it sounds familiar. Um, and I think I, when I look at Dawn and when I talk to Dawn, like I don't see her as, oh my God, she's this incredible Olympic athlete and her, she as a person isn't defined by, I guess, her swimming and her consequences in swimming and everything that she did in that career. Like for me now, she's pretty much a family member and she'll call me and ask about just like life and what I'm up to at uni and boys and whatnot and friends. And it's more of an actual, I guess, family relationship than it is based purely on swimming, which I think is a lot more special than any of that. But I'm a little bit disappointed that she hasn't told me about her band. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's not true. I don't know. But what about, so do you, have you ever tried to pick her brain though about like what it takes to win three straight Olympic golds in, in the same race and the pressure that came upon her too, because sure it yeah. was a different time, but I mean, like, especially from Americans looking at Australian swimmers, it just seems like there's a very different pressure uh, and uh, awareness that the public has about you because of the importance of swimming in that country. And um and so I, I can't necessarily relate to that, but I'm curious about like, you know, what has that experience kind of transcended eras and especially someone of her stature uh, in, in yeah. sort of the public consciousness and what she meant to the world of swimming. Is there anything that you've tried to just 
pick out of her the, the nuggets of wisdom that must be in her brain? I think she just sprinkles wisdom on me without me even like asking for it. Um, we went to like a black tie function for Swimming Australia's like gala dinner for the year and whatnot. And she pulled me aside and everyone was kind of just like looking at us as we were walking out of the room. Like, oh my God, what's Lani done? Like, why is Dawn pulling her away? And she just sat me down and she was like, how's training? What are you doing? How's your mindset? Like, if you're not confident, you're not going to race well. You have to believe in yourself. So I think picking her brain is more just her being so open with me about how much she cares about me as a person. Um, so I haven't actually sat down and asked about, I guess, what she did do and didn't do and what she regrets and doesn't regret within her career. But I think it's fairly similar to like a lot of the people that you end up, um, I guess, asking questions about their sport and that sort of thing. And I think one of the things that always like has stuck with me that she's always said is like, as long as you're happy, like you're going to race well. And if you're confident and you can stand behind the block and be like, well, there's nothing else that I could have done to make me race better than like the outcome's going to be the outcome. And she was just so insane in her time. And for her to be able to win, you know, she got four Olympic gold medals and her, she drives a, God bless her. She drives a Mercedes Benz and her number plate is four gold. Like she <laughs> is, she's an icon. She's the she's best. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she's the best. And for her awesome. to be so involved in swimming so far, like after her career and be so like publicly known, like we were driving through, um, we had Nash, I think it was after Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast in 2018. And in her car was her daughter, grandson, myself, my mum and her. And it was probably close to midnight. She's like, let's go get a coffee somewhere. And I was like, I don't know what coffee shop is going to be open at midnight. So <laughs> radio dawn. Um, and we were driving and we ended up in the middle of Cavill Avenue and surfers somehow, which is like probably the biggest like nightclub area on the Gold Coast. And this guy like came up and started knocking on the window and she like wound it down the tiniest little bit. And everyone was like, Dawn, like stop. Someone's going to try and kill you. And he was like, are you Ruth Everest? And she was like, no, no, mate. <laughs> and then we just like drove off. Um, so I think stuff like that definitely comes to mind a lot more than I guess the swimming side with Dawn. I definitely like I picked my mom's brains because I think I feel a little bit more confident, but Dawn and I also swim different events. So although yeah. she's so wise, she is wise. She's incredible. And um, me, for me, like the 800 and the 1500 are so much more important to me than swimming like the 200 as an individual event. For some reason, it sticks with me and racing and those events stick with me a lot more than racing. Like the shorter distances, I guess more bang for my buck when I'm paying entry fees, but I've picked my mom's brains and spoken to Julie McDonald and I guess other distance swimmers, Kylie Palmer, even Jess Ashwood about the way that they raced it. And even like the males that swim the same sort of events. But um, I definitely appreciate Dawn as a person for who she is more than I guess looking for inspiration on her swimming career, even though she is like Australia's grandchild, like she's the best. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about learnings from your squad and how they may have helped you or improved you. So talk to me about like you're in lane seven and you look over in lane four <laughs> and somebody, Emma, Matt, Clyde, somebody, what's a crazy set they do and you're, you're like, shit. And then and how did that affect you afterwards? Oh, um, I think the craziest set I've watched, we were in France and Emma got up and did, I just did a 200, um, a 200 effort. And I went like 150, I think I went 158. I pushed to 158, suited long course. Um, and I was just like, so happy. I was like, oh, like I'm PB plus two, whatever, like good set, good coming off the back of COVID. And Emma had had a massive break after the Olympics, had qualified for the Commonwealth Games team um, and had like a short prep doing whatever. And Emma's just one of the most incredible athletes like I've ever watched swim. Like her stroke is beautiful. She's a lovely human. Like everything about her just like incredible, right? And Sam Short had just done 100 max as well. And I think he went 53 or maybe like 52 high. And Emma got up to do a, like 100 max. And everyone was kind of watching because it's Emma and everyone always watches Emma. And the athletes were kind of like all sitting around just like supporting. And she got... <laughs> 
got up and dived a 52 in training, long course, 100 freestyle. And I was just like, hmm. yeah. Hmm. Like I looked at it and I was like, my PB is a 55.7. I was like, and you just dived like plus point something on the world record. Um, so I've crazy. watched, yeah, watched Kaylee swim 50s, like backstroke, almost beating me doing freestyle. And I'm just <laughs> I get humbled a lot in the squad, which is the best thing ever because I think it keeps everyone's egos in check. Yeah. Like one of the boys did a 200 backstroke um, time trial, like 150 short course meters suited on a Saturday morning. And I think everyone always manages to pull something real. I feel like I'm not meant to be spreading all of these like squad secrets, but whatever. Um, everyone always manages to pull out something so special. And it's always like the squad is always like they're watching. Um, what are the cool sets? It's scare tactics, you know? You got to intimidate everybody else. This I know. I'm not even – I feel like – I don't know if anyone's going to get angry at me for saying these things, like, online. It's not like I'm giving away every single session we've ever done. No. But but, but how, how just, did it affect you? How did it affect you? Because, Brian, you talk about training with Fred Bousquet and Cesar Cielo, Mark Target, and all the, the legends on your squad back in the time and how that affected you and drove you to be the swimmer you became. Mm. So maybe reflect on seeing that and, and how maybe it pushed you when it was hurting a bit more and you just seen that, how did it affect you? Yep. I think the best thing is like after they've done like when the squad is doing main sets and if we're doing suited sets, we all start at different times because there's so many of us that two coaches trying to take five different main sessions. You can't all go all at once. Um, and I get excited when like the 200 group has finished their main set and they come over and start watching us do like a 300 backs or something like that. And there was one session we had – Oh, me and um, his name is Kush. He's an Indian swimmer and he comes over and trains with us a little bit. We had three ones best ab on, no, eight fifties, one easy, one to send, one to max. And I was 29, 28, 27, 26, all push. And then we did three ones best average on 110. And I was pushing 58s. And then Bowley nice. gave us a 300 max to like stand up, do a 300 max long course. And I think I went like 303. And I was disappointed nice. with going 303 in training. I couldn't tell you why, because that's like almost <gasps> on PB pace, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and for like the squad to sit down and actually be like proud of the way that you've done your set and watch you do the session and do the effort, knowing that like they're there supporting you as well, I think makes you want to train harder again. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be a bad influence in the squad. So if someone's looking at me doing a set and I'm having a shitty session, like I don't want them to think that that's okay. So it makes me want to try harder so that we're all like at a similar level and we're all trying, you know, to like push boundaries and um, that sort of thing within the sport. So I think more than anything, when I watch Emma go and do those sort of swims, I'm like, there's so much more that's achievable than what I think there is. And if you put a cap on something, then you're only ever going to get to that cap. And I think it's just really going out and doing absolutely anything and everything in training and if it ends up being plus point something on the world record, then like, cool. And if you're having a bad session, it's the squad, I guess, still supporting you and saying it's like, it's just a bad session. It's not a bad year or it's not a bad month or it's not a bad life. Um, so I think like the positive outlook on all training sessions that we have, regardless of if it's a main set or if it's, you know, like aerobic work, just going up and down. I think it's been the biggest influence. I came from a squad with my mom um, on the Sunshine Coast where I think I was the oldest swimmer and we had like a lot of self life-saving athletes who would only train maybe four or five times, four or five times a week when I was swimming nine times a week. So it was harder to kind of have the same support, I guess, network around me because they'd be there on some sessions and not there on others. Yeah. And if I had a really hard session the night before and they weren't there and they couldn't understand why I was tired, it was kind of like a little bit, it was so different compared to when all of us are together nine times a week and we know what each yeah. other are going through and you see each other, we pretty much live in each other's pockets. Like you spend so much time with the people that you swim with that you pretty much know every idiosyncrasy about them. And I think just mm -hmm. understanding them as people as well as athletes and how different things affect them and how each different person, I guess, responds to encouragement or silence or I guess even like whistling. I, if people are doing like breaststroke fifties max or even a fly, it's harder with backstroke because their head's like constantly in the water, but everyone will end up just like doing this, the whistle and like, screaming at each other for like the whole I can't do it. Yeah. You can't I don't want to do it because I don't want it to come over <laughs> super loud. <laughs> yeah. 
I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Um, yeah. Tommy Neal taught me how to do it. We were at Junior Worlds in 2019, and for like two weeks straight, I was just like pretty much spitting, trying to figure Everywhere. out how to do this wolf. Yeah, it was so gross. But now it's like my best party trick, so it's fine. The, does Bully have a whistle? Is he? How? What's his goal? How does he set you off? Um. Take him up, goat. But like in his way that he says goat, I don't know. I remember having another coach that was like, their go sounded like five. So I think in the way that like the inflection in their voices and stuff, my Janelle, when she says go, ends up getting louder on like the go comparatively to like two one. Um, So he says take him up, go, but then does like the wolf whistle while you're like in the middle of a set. And then if he's whistling, someone else will be walking up the side of the pool, like waving and that sort of thing. And I've gotten to the point where like, if they're waving at me, I don't know if I'm going fast or if I'm going slow because they do it all the time. And the same thing, like in races, um, Rowan Taylor was like waving on the side of the pool when I had my 1500 at short course nationals. And I didn't know if I was swimming like so tragic that they were trying to like try to get me to speed up or if I was swimming well. So Yeah. Hey, what do the other squads or the other coaches say about um, Dean Boxel's reactions? Are, are they just like, oh, is it an eye roll or is everybody just fired up too because he's clearly cheering because, you know, Arnie did something crazy? Um, oh, delight. <laughs> Media training kicking in. <laughs> um, I think everyone just gets very excited for like anyone racing. And if that's how Dean reacts, which it is how Dean reacts, that's how you know, he goes about it, but I think Bowley is fairly subdued in his reactions comparatively. And so is Vince Rally. And I guess when you go back into a private setting, there's not on camera, everyone is a lot more excited than I guess what it comes across because when you're coaching an athlete, you have so many numbers that you're writing down with splits and stroke rates and I guess turn times and those sort of things that, yeah, it's so cool. I think it's insane how excited Dean gets for his races, but I also think for me, I would just giggle at the end of it if I saw him acting that way for me. And it's, it was cool to have him um, be the relay coach for our four by two down at yeah. short course because I had just done my 800. I still had no idea what order we were going in the four by two final. And I thought I might have been like in the middle somewhere or whatever. And he just walked up to me and he was like, you're anchoring. I was like, oh, good. Thanks, team. I you're appreciate right. that one. No pressure. <laughs> you know, no pressure at all. Like, it's so fun. Um, and I even walked out behind the block and I was kind of just like, you know, when you look and you're kind of like, oh, like, who else am I racing? Mm-hmm. And I realized it was Taylor Rupp, who I have watched since 20, God, like 2016, watched her at the Olympics and then raced her at Junior Worlds in 2017 and had, she had no idea who I was then because I was so young. I think I was like 14 at that meet. Um, and obviously, like, the presence that she has in the sport because she's such an incredible swimmer. And then Leah Smith, who, touched me out in the 400 at world long course and i just started having like a panic attack and molly and maddie were like no you're fine like you're swimming so well it doesn't matter i was like i don't belong here (laughs) (laughs) well it helps to be surrounded by such accomplished athletes right so they can send a positive message to you in that moment where you just freak the heck out yeah Um, also what's a good way hold on what was your relay takeoff in that race i was 0.19 Hey, that's good. Yeah. And I thought it was like the slowest changeover ever. So anytime we do like relay practices, I always get in trouble because I end up being like 0.01 or 0.0 something. And they're <laughs> always kind of like, oh, we don't know. We don't know what we're, we don't know what we're doing with you. So I thought I had the slowest relay change and I thought it was going to be like 0.8. And then we looked at the end of it and I was like, oh my God. So I'm kind of glad that. I definitely end up going like a lot slower in relays and I think everyone does because they stress and I would hate to be the person that gets a relay DQ'd and I've never been that person ever touch wood thank god um and I don't even like I don't do relays that often anyway so I don't know how it ended up being 0.19 and I think even my relay change at world long course when I swam the heat of the 4x2 was like 0.27 so I'm fairly consistent yeah that's a that's pretty good. I mean, under under point two for a four by two, that's money. You're, you're yeah, it's not it. bad. Any it. faster probably would have been a little bit questionable, but point two will take. Likely, yeah. Make make the coaches a little bit nervous. All right, Lonnie, yeah. we got a few rapid fire questions before we let you go. 
What's the hardest race in swimming? I want to say the 1500, but it's a different type of hurt to the 50. So the 50 hurts more as like a death because everyone just lactates out and dies. But the 1500 is like an agonizing hurt. So I have respect for both. Olympic gold or world record? Oh, Olympic gold. Uh, do you do you wee in the pool? <clears throat> no. <laughs> yeah, liar. everyone does. And that's criminal if you lie about that. Sorry, I'll take it back. What's your uh, go-to nail color? Oh, normally pink. Um, but when I'm racing, now I like black. Have you ever miscounted a distance race to the tune of Dennis Rapsis when he stopped early? Um, no, never miscounted. What's the worst song to get stuck in your head at practice? Um... Kaylee was, sing- <laughs> oh Kaylee was singing Christian songs to me last week and all I had stuck in my head was like, roll the rock. And I don't know the rest of it. And I don't know what the rest of the song was about. <laughs> Is that what Kaylee does during practice? <laughs> I don't think you can put that on. I don't know if that's going to trend anymore. <laughs> oh, what's your go-to snack at a meet? Um... Blue dinosaur, lamington, muesli fiber bar things. Incredible. The best. Muesli fiber bars. Bold. Uh, it's like. Bold, bold it's strategy. Like a, I don't know. It's like, it's a lamington bar and it tastes like lamington. I wouldn't say it's fiber, but it's kind of like a muesli bar, but I don't know how to explain it. it they're really good. Coffee or energy drink? Oh, coffee. What's the best performance you've ever seen live? Like swimming related or like not swimming? Hey, whatever you want. No, it, could be, oh. it could be a concert. Um, swimming performance. It could be a Best comedy show. I don't know. What are you into? I don't have a best performance. Nothing comes to head, but I fell asleep during a One Direction concert. So it's probably <laughs> not the best. <laughs> Sounds like money well spent. <laughs> All right. Does Bowley do social kick? We do do social kick and I love social kick. If we have like 500 choice at the end of a set with Finns, everyone just does social kick. And it's something that when I moved to the Gold Coast, was so grateful for because Janelle doesn't believe in it, but Bowley does. So it's great. How often do you mix up? Uh, earlier you said my Janelle. I know. So- I was going to say my mom, but then I meant to say like, when we talk about swimming, it's Janelle and yeah. I was gonna say my coach and it was just, yeah. I accidentally called Bowley dad last week. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, like I'm just going and seeing my mom and dad at the pool and everyone is like, <laughs> Bowley. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> shit. All right, besides Bowley, give us a run through of everybody's nickname on the squad. Cause I feel like everybody in Australia Ooh. gets an IE at the end. And yours already um, has that ending, so I feel yeah, like you don't get so, a nickname. Do you have a nickname? I also call Bowley Biju because I was texting him and Bowley kept autocorrecting to Biju. So he gets that. Janelle gets Nelly or Janizzle. Um, Mac is Money Mac or Mac Daddy. Brendan is Brendy or Brendo or Smithy. Bowen is Burgo. Josh gets Jess because like Josh Edward Smith, like his initials are J-E-S. Um, I don't know if this is mean. One of the girls, her name is Becca, but everyone calls her Beckfest. Like that video is... <laughs> um, who else is there? Um, Emma is just Emma. I don't really have a nickname for Emma. Um, Cody. This is just Cody. Um... Lockie. We have Lachlan, but he gets Lockie. Um, and then there's a bo- another boy called Lachlan, but we call him Carter because his last name's Carter. Um, Moesha gets Mojo or Mobamba. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like and it. Then, I'm going to start calling Luke Lukey. Yeah. Lukey. I think that's yeah. it. There's probably a couple others, but they're the funny ones. Luke's probably Lukey, but so if, if Brian 
What what would an Aussie nickname me? Because you can't add IE and there's no O no. at the end. So last is Lundquist. Would it be Lundy? What's your last name? Lundquist. Yeah, Lundy. It'd be Lundy. Lundy. Yeah, I yeah. guess that's probably it. Yeah. Yeah. Sally <laughs> calls me. I couldn't even tell you why. So at one of our premieres in government, her last name is Palaszczuk. So Bowley calls me Lanye, like Kanye, but it's Lanye Palaszczuk. And I'm like, how do you even get that? But that's, he says it all the time. Well, with that, Lanye Palaszczuk, it's been fun hanging out with you. <laughs> I love Thanks. it. Uh, really, Thanks, really, fun to get, really fun to watch you uh, have, have a bunch of success and looking forward to seeing you, you know, get back into training and, and have some more of it and continue on this career. Although I really do want to see a professional uh you know, you you really like winning some events and professional life saving. So you'll have to put okay. us on for the next live stream for whenever that comes out. Oh my god, there's one in two weeks. I'll send it to you. Oh, uh, we will watch it. But you know, Luke yeah, cool. is probably going to be looking for. Uh, I get confused. <laughs> yeah, hiking it up. So we'll just uh, you know scrub his internet search history. But that, <laughs> oh, <laughs> thanks no. Lonnie so much for hanging out. Uh, that's it for this episode of Social Kick and we'll see you next time. Perfect. Thank you. Hey everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it and be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick, and you can find all of our content on our website,